0: What's up, everybody? This is Dave Navarro. And this is Billy Morrison. And you are listening to Appetite for Distortion.
1: This is Appetite for Distortion. Welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion, episode number three hundred and twenty. My name is Brando, and what an honor it is today. Mister Dave Navarro, currently lighting a cigarette for Mister Bill- Billy Morrison. I mean, did you
2: like that? That Dave Navarro lights my cigarettes for me?
1: That was badass.
0: There <laughs> you go, bud. <laughs> exactly.
1: And then vice versa. Now Billy's lighting oh,
0: Dave's. Come on. You know what? That's you know we're here to talk about above ground and mental health and 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 this is the kind of support we're talking about man <laughs> lighting each other's cigarettes yeah we got you
1: know yeah so let's get right into it because yeah as we were talking before the podcast and people who know the podcast yeah it's gnr themed but the secondary theme is mental health i mean i, I can't help it you know i i talk about going to therapy i've been seeing my therapist for over a decade uh, i have I've mentioned been,
0: i've been i've been seeing mine for 22 years
1: i'm going to get there dave She's coming to my no, wedding.
0: No, 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 I'm still a fucking mess. I'm thinking of firing her. <laughs> <laughs> well, well we- let's put it this way: all
2: three of us have have a great deal of experience with therapy, which 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 is a testament to uh, well, all three of us are here doing stuff. Yes, and we're not, and we're not dead. So there is there's a correlation that hopefully your listeners will will understand. That's okay. what we're trying to do. Me and Dave here is tell people. That it's all right to ask for help. That it's all right to go to therapy and uh, and get the help. And uh, we'll
0: get all in and all that. I know yeah. you want to talk GNR and those guys are pals of ours. So let's get it. <laughs> let's get it. We'll stop steering your show. Yeah, there you and go. go. <laughs> okay, Captain Steer. how's that?
1: No, it's it's our show today. It's our episode because I I am right. eager to talk to you. It's yeah GNR later, 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 later. But okay. to talk to you about. Look, just to get it right off the bat, because a lot of people know your story, Dave, and and Billy, I guess I'll learn more about your story. So I'll just tell you and be honest with mine right away. Uh, Eight years ago, my dad took his life. and Thank you. He was, uh, I was 29. I'm 38 now. And he was 59. He always lived with depression. I always thought maybe he had anger issues, but he was a wonderful dad. He still had anger issues. He just never expected it. And I was going through – I was basically suicidal throughout my 20s. I never attempted, but I didn't want to be here. So I see you two put something out above ground, and I've noticed it. Maybe it's because it's my – since my dad, it's, I've been more aware of it, but more people like you, and thank you for doing something like this and raising awareness. Yeah, I'm not in – unfortunately, I'm not in L.A. I can't go to the show that's going to be happening – uh, when is it going to be happening? So tickets go on sale October 22nd. They're, they're,
0: Got, on sale at, they're on sale right now at AXS events.
1: Got to get that and,
0: in. Uh, the show is December 20th at the Fonda Theater, right on Hollywood Boulevard. Five days time. Yeah, and it's, it's on Monday.
1: Got <laughs> to get that say. in. But we're, we're raising awareness, and I appreciated that part of the press release, and that's what I try to do. So how did this come together as the third? I know we missed last year, right? So how did yeah. this? what was the initial idea to put this together above ground?
0: Uh, It really started because Billy and I were having a conversation about, well, a multitude of things. The way Billy and I work is that we just listen to one another's conversations, and out of listening, ideas are formed. We don't sit down and go, okay, let's come up with an idea. We're just having a casual conversation, and one of us will say, hey, that would be a great idea. So I called Billy a couple years ago, and I said, you know what? Because we're huge Adam and the Ants fans. And I said, you know what would be great is if we did all of Kings of the Wild Frontier front to back as an album.
2: Yeah, there was no deep thought behind it. It was just Dave going, that'd be cool. And I went, that would be really cool. But the, the thing about Dave and I is we, we seem to have a, a skill or a curse of actually making things happen. <laughs> and we fi- what happens is one day we wake up and we find ourselves nine months in on a project that we weren't really paying attention to to start with. And now it's real and it, lots of people are involved. And uh,
0: I like that about us. Yeah. I, so that, that we just make it happen. Yeah. we And, and so what, what ended up happening, what started is that conversation developed into well, why you yeah. can't just do a 45 minute record and call it a show and have people go home after that. And we said, well, why not make it two records? So we added the Velvet Underground and Nico. And then uh instead of uh Making it like a, I don't know, we have a cover band called Royal Machines where we do a lot of shows and you know, we get paid for those. We felt that this idea was so special that you know, we could make it a charitable cause. And the one thing that Billy and I have in common in terms of our histories is that we both undergone a lot of trauma, a lot of addiction, and in my case, depression and suicidal ideation. And we were like, you know what? We're so fucking lucky to still be alive because the amount of times that I could have been dead, I, is, I can't even count. And and some of those were by my own design. Like I've I've written notes, you know. I've had the stockpile of drugs that were going to put me out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And uh, yeah, I do. So fortunately, by asking for help, I have I've been able to to make it through those tough times and get back into the light. Get back into the light. And so we looked at each other and said, well, why not? Why not make this about mental health and trying to raise awareness and dissolve the stigma around the mental health issue because certainly three, four years ago, there was way more of a stigma about it than there is now after the world has undergone a global traumatic event. Yeah. But um, so then we partnered with Music Cares and Music Cares is is an organization that's tied with the Grammy Association and they help raise funds and awareness and actual help for individuals getting into treatment that can't otherwise pay for it for themselves.
2: Yeah. The music hairs are very boots on the ground. And I've had personal experience of making a phone call with someone in a headlock. You know, I, I had someone in a headlock uh, cause I'd just broken down a hotel door to get them out. And on, with the other hand, I had a phone in, and I'm calling music hairs and I'm like, I need a bed for this guy mm. now, not tomorrow. And they said, give us five minutes. And they call back and I shoved this guy in the back of my car and drove him down to wherever I was driving him. And he's now, uh, seven years. sober.
1: wow. So,
2: and at the same time as this, this was getting planned, we lost Chris and Chester and Scott and a bunch of other people. And it just, it seemed like this idea was meant to happen anyway. Hmm. Uh, you know, it's, you can always tell a good idea when you don't have to fight uphill to make it happen.
0: Yeah, and I mean, it, it, this just rolled, didn't it? We, you know, we lost Scott Weiland, who was actually at one point a member of yeah. Royal Machines, which is with our band. And then I can't tell you the how painful it was to attend Chris Cornell's funeral. At that funeral, Chester Bennington did a beautiful rendition of Hallelujah. Yeah. Right, he performed it at his funeral a month later. I was at Chester's funeral, and we are watching our friends die through mental health issues and addiction, and I you know you know they're they're kind of two sides of the same coin because most most addiction stems from people's inability to learn how to move through their traumas, yeah, right? Yes. So they turn to drugs to self medicate, hmm. and that's where. That's where we have the tie-in. So music cares also provides help with addiction but I mean that was so painful and to lost three friends that we knew and worked with in you know the course of six months was just enough's enough man we had to do something about it and um, and, and so we put this organization together and and, and and but we also wanted it to be fun and entertaining. We didn't want it to be a big lofty, heavy, speeches and Mm. you know uh you know pamphlets and you know like go up front and collect you know we're like let's put on a fucking show and celebrate life while we're doing this and billy and i are both avid music fans as you know and and we're both vinyl fans and miss the days of full lps that you put on one side then you turn it over and listen Mm. the other side and so we decided let's do two sets of two juxtaposed albums Mm. and play them in their entirety and ask our friends to join us. Billy's singers, Billy Idol joins us. My singer, Perry Farrell joins us and a host of a myriad of everybody else. You could think of Courtney Love, Macy Gray. uh, Oh man, the list goes on. Corey Taylor. The list goes on. Corey Taylor. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's pretty, it's a pretty, it's pretty beautiful thing that everybody has rallied around because all of us on that stage have lost someone to depression or drug addiction or suicide. So um, that's how it came about. I know it's a long-winded answer, but a lot of information in there.
1: That's the information I think we all wanted, basically. And I'm, and as you're, you're talking, you got me thinking. I'm glad you mentioned, because it's why it's a, a common theme of not just my life, but of the podcast. When we lost uh, Chris Cornell, when we, lo- when we lost Chester you know, even for me, uh, Robin Williams was a year after my dad. So I, yeah. I I'm, yeah. I'm curious again, you know, what you think because I'm a son of a dentist, right? And I'm not famous, and it's hard for me to even talk about when I'm not under a microscope. I think it was after all these famous deaths and just seeing the comment sections and people talking about mental health. I'm like, I got to speak up. I think I need to share my experience and. Uh, not to your level, I've gotten some great feedback.
0: Hang on. I don't want to Please. Let me tell you something. You're doing it now and you're doing a great service because it's one thing to see quote unquote celebrities talking about it, but people, the, the common man is like, yeah, but you know, I don't have the resources that they have. I don't have the outlets that they have. I don't have the 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 you know the myriad of people that I can reach out to. It just takes reaching out to one person and what you're doing is you're doing an incredible service to humanity because you just a guy who has suffered a trauma and you're sharing his experience strength and hope with other people so they can maybe get some hope from that so you know there's a relatability that you have with people that maybe we don't have so it's going to take a, it's it takes all of us man it takes a village
1: and what about the the flip and i would get upset where especially with i don't know why it would happening with with chester maybe it was the, the musical direction and lincoln park is a hot button issue for some people i mean i i love the band but when people comment about you know, like their their kids are reading these things I'm like, oh, maybe I, I wasn't a fan of his music, but it's sad. Like, is there something or he's too rich or famous? Like, how are you depressed when you have all this money and you have all these
0: right. resources? How because, does that happen? Because because here's the thing. And I'm here's forgive gonna... me if I'm going too long. Carry on. I've had <laughs> su- I've suffered with depression my whole life. OK, I lost my mother. Excuse me. I lost my mother to murder at 15. So I have a deeply rooted history in trauma and PTSD. I joined, I'm lucky enough to join a band at 17, Jane's Addiction. And there were all these finish lines in my head. Like once we get a record deal, I'm going to be okay. Once we get a gold record, we're going to be okay. Once I make a certain amount of money, we're going to be okay. Once we get a certain level of visibility or I get a certain girl, or once I make it here, I'm going to be okay. And I'm here to tell you that there is no external thing that is going to fix the deep-rooted problem of trauma so it's not about like well he had everything why was he depressed depression is a is a mental disorder it is something that can be worked with and can be held and guided and healed with work through cognitive therapy through things like emdr through things uh Uh, through somatic body work, through breath training, there's a yoga, there's a million things that you can do that aren't, that don't require tons of money and tons of resources. And the number one thing is that we always say putting aside the shame of it all and being vulnerable enough to just ask for help to one person, because in that vulnerability comes a fucking superpower if you can allow yourself to be human for two seconds and say, Hey, I'm not doing so good. It can change the course of your life. Yeah, it it did for me. You know, I, I, and and about the comments, I'll let you know, like on, I only have Instagram. I I gave up on social media a long time ago, but I I'm a, you know, I'm really, I I love the visuals of Instagram, you know? And so that's an addiction I'm trying to break, but Hmm. if, if I'm not following you, you can't comment. Like I don't fucking because comments are fucking it's a list of devastation to people that are struggling. And so, you know, why do I want to be emotionally triggered by something that Fred in Wichita thinks about me, who has no bearing on my life, who I don't know, who will never know, who doesn't know the whole story, yet it will trigger me. So I took action I was like. Fuck that! No more, because my self-care comes first.
1: It's a smart idea, and if I, you know, didn't, if I wasn't in radio, I think I would be done with in, with social media. I,
0: I, I you're right, because it's just not. I, I think you know. it's destroying the fabric of society because we call it compare and despair. <sighs> hmm. That's all it is. People looking through people's because nobody's sitting there posting pictures of them in the fetal position crying. Nobody's posting pictures of them having an average day and being down and depressed. They're putting pictures of them on a yacht. They're putting pictures of them on a private plane. They're putting pictures that are filtered to hell that are truly unrealistic and inauthentic. And the people that are suffering see that and think, why isn't my life like that? And that's feeds into the depression. So I think, and, and also it's just, it's, it's, ruining human to human to human contact which is pivotal in this space
1: it is and I'm, I'm glad at least we have zoom to zoom contact here i'm trying my best to be you know face this is helpful well, you're yeah. helping in the, me right now
0: in the, in the age of the pandemic this is necessary and i you know that's that's you know that's where we're at but i'm just saying by and large if you're looking at the impact sure. that social media has on the average person It, you know, and it's certainly somebody who's struggling with trauma or depression, it can be a very dangerous, scary, triggering place. And so I try to keep things real, just simple. Here's what my band's doing. Here's, you know, me, whatever I'm interested in, but I don't really get into sharing too much because the truth is it's it's not it's 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 not really about self promotion as much as it's a, it's a nice tool for if you're in business and you need to reach people sure. but sure. but um, you know it's it it can be it can be navigated well if you know how to structure it but i i gave up all the others, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, Snapchat, all that, all that's like, I just, I don't fucking, I don't want to be buried in my screen my whole fucking life.
1: I hear you. Like, I'm you.
0: already buried in my screen enough answering texts and emails. Sure. And then when I have two seconds, I jump over to some platform and I'm buried in that. And it's just, it's, it's, it's detrimental to your expansive life experience.
1: So let's ask something good then what do you and obviously everybody's different but what's something i'm not
0: saying it's bad i'm saying that it, it, it if you can have that awareness about it yeah then you then you can navigate your social media with a, a, a more realistic sense and i just like to say that because i use it you know i don't want to sound like a hypocrite i just have an understanding of how what lens to view it through poor, because what poor, i'm seeing what i'm seeing on instagram are snapshots there? It's not reality.
1: Agreed. A poor um, paraphrase by me. So yeah, I, I want to know, you know, while you're, you're you're telling me how you you shape in social media uh, for you, and obviously everybody's different. What do you both do uh, to kind of help with the addiction? What kind of hobbies? I mean, that's what I was told initially by my therapist because I was absu- uh, consumed with my career. She's like, get a hobby. I'm like, get a hobby. Like, what? And oddly enough, it it led me down to this Guns and Roses themed podcast, which ties into my career. So this look, is a crazy. Look, man, it's
2: it's great if you do a Guns and Roses podcast that gives you a platform to talk about life as you see it and you experience it. That's great. And mental that health is clearly helping you deal with the issues that you need to deal with or you feel like you need to deal with. And that's great. Um, Dave and I both are artists as well. We create art, paintings, and Dave has uh, an amazing partnership with this other artist, Padiak and they call it Dual Diagnosis with an E, Dual Diagnosis. And I have a fine art career and we both spend, not hours, weeks locked in our garages or our art studios covered in paint um, <laughs> And it's just another form of, for me, I can't speak for Dave, but it's just another form of expression that is absolutely necessary to stop me blowing my brains out.
0: Right. I would say I would add to that that with the the art, you know, it's, it's, we're both lucky enough to be in creative outlets, Billy's and Billy Idol's band, I'm in Jane's Addiction, but those are collective, those are collective uh, forms of expression. We need a step further. We need individual expression as well, so... That's what we do, and in in conjunction with self care, there are twelve step meetings. There's cognitive therapy. And there's a, there's a myriad of things that are free, that are valuable resources. So those are the kinds of things that we do.
1: Okay, very cool. Because I I tell people, I th- I told people recently, find your, you know, I I feel silly using the analogy, but Billy, you you understood. Find your GNR podcast. Find something out there. And it's not just me talking about music and talking to, you know, honored to speak with Dave Navarro and Billy Morrison, but I would have no opportunity because, yeah, I work in radio, but I can't, between those 30 seconds on FM, you know, between Billy Squire and the Rolling Stones, I'm not going to talk about my, my mental health. You know, that that's not, this doesn't fit in with like, the barbecue happening this weekend. You right, know, at the Brando,
2: it, it, Brando it's, about, it's about feeling like your voice is heard. You have a podcast and if you reach, like Dave said, one person and you know that's possible doing what you do, then you feel not only validated but connected to the human race and uh, you feel good about yourself. And writing songs and painting pictures and uh, putting on events like this, it's all about us feeling like we, we're not alone. Uh, my voice... Connect. I know, connects to people. Sometimes I post pictures of paintings that I've made and I have the most beautiful response back. And that just means I've connected with someone. Mm. Same as I'm sure, Dave, you've had people come up to you and go, Jane says, save my life. I've had a number of people. Right. And I've had exactly the same experience. And so anyone listening to this, it's not about the size of the voice you have. It's just about feeling not alone. And if Mm. you exercise you have to, like you say, find your voice so that you feel like you are potentially being heard. That's it. Well because said. when I was suffering from depression and drug addiction and dying every other week from overdoses, I felt no one heard me.
1: Hmm. That's it, yeah. And I
2: now feel that people do hear me. And I'm not talking about because I'm on a stage. I'm talking about if I call Dave at three in the morning. Well, I don't know about three in the morning. Well, you may be out. I
0: have fucking answer for you. He would answer. <laughs>
2: and that, what, what does that do for me? It means I feel heard. He's just a friend. And that comes from reaching out and being vulnerable to Dave on issues where I don't want to be vulnerable. And I don't want to tell him what's going on in my life because I feel stupid. But... I do, and down the line, that connection makes me feel heard and accepted for who I am.
1: Amazing. So that's this is why you two are the right people to put uh, together above ground, not because you have your famous, your famous rock stars, but just have how intelligent you both are. Yeah, we're all still struggling, but you, you have the self awareness, and you, I, I guarantee you're going to help people, uh, continue to help people. Right. So, uh, for- so, so, thank you, and and uh, just to. Before I do my transition to GNR stuff, uh, can you just talk about uh, why you picked this year uh, Lou Reed's Transformer and uh, The Sex Pistols, never mind The Bollocks, why those two albums?
0: I'll do, I'll tell you about the first one. Okay. Lou Reed's Transformer, both has bills, you know, both Billy and I are a fan of the arts. We're a fan of the Velvet Underground and we're a fan of Lou Reed. And the tie-in between The Andy Warhol factory and the art movement and the music that came out of that and lose association with Andy Warhol is something that resonates with us very deeply because uh, it's a very visual conceptual album. But the lyrical content on that album as well, first of all, it's one of the greatest albums ever made of all time. David Bowie and Mick Ronson produced it and David Bowie's doing all the backups on it. And they did it in England together and the lyrical content on that record is so far ahead of its time. Like he's talking about, you know, uh, at what they called at the time transvestites, uh, which now has turned into, you know, know, there's the trans community now, and now there's getting a lot of love and a lot of support. Back then (laughs) it was painful for those people to express who they were authentically. So in order to be who they wanted to be, they had to walk through a lot of pain and fear and oppression. And so Lou was singing about all that stuff way back then. And just now the world's catching up to it. Not to mention it is just one of the most iconic albums with songs like Wild Side and Perfect Day and Satellite of Love. And so that's why we chose that album. And Billy will tell you about Nevermind the Bollocks. The the interesting thing about what
2: Dave and I do, we, we differ on some musical likes quite drastically actually. And we also connect head-on in other musical likes. So when we're discussing this, I mean, we were, we were picking these albums nine months ago and other albums came up and maybe we'll do this, maybe we'll do that. And he's just explained the Lou Reed side of it. And one of the things we try and do is we're trying to perform albums that you can't see anymore. Mm. Iconic is, a, is an overused word, but so far every album we've performed in this Above Ground series is iconic, and you can't see them do it. You know, the idea is not to go and play a Coldplay album because, well, you can go and see Coldplay do that. Yeah. So never mind the bollocks. Look, the the truth of the, the matter with the Sex Pistols is they were going for about 16 or 17 months, and they only released 12 songs. And those 12 songs still affect people 40-odd years later. So you can't deny that it was one of the most important records ever made. That fits our criteria, plus the fact that Dave and I both put that album on our whole lives and want to smash shit up. It's
0: great. (laughs) And they're they're both albums, Mm -hmm. I will tell you, if you talk about the lyrical content on Lou Reed's record and certainly the... You know the the drug influence and the and the the, the sexual uh, experimentation influences that he was talking about, and you talk about the Sex Pistols record and the angst and the, the unrest, and the, the un- civil unrest that civil they're unrest. talking about, and like you know the 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 anarchy and the the, the the fury at the at the crown, and you know those records when we were kids made us not feel alone. Yeah, because we heard the lyrical content on those albums and we're like. Wow, other people out there feel like we do and that's what connected us to that music.
1: Awesome, very cool. Um I recently this is another person who I've had on the podcast and you both have played with and I've spoken with mental health uh, about it was Matt Sorum. So yeah. I used the term before the podcast and I I'm glad I got a chuckle out of you Billy. I don't know if Dave if you heard it. The 6 degrees of GNR Bacon. That's what this you know, GNR themed <laughs> podcast is so yeah, that's what I call it. So I guess Billy, if I can ask, I guess with you, what's your um, do? What connection? Any any fun story you can tell? Playing with Cam Freddie, playing with Matt Storm, or perhaps uh, seeing Guns N' Roses live? Did you see a legendary show? I'm just trying to you know anything fun. You know,
2: look, I, I definitely have probably one degree of Guns N' Roses bacon <laughs> separation. Sure. I first of all, I saw Guns N' Roses at the Marquee, the actual get in eighty something. The gig that was filmed, I was at that gig. Which, which is, is one of the best live performances ever,
0: unreal. ever, ever, <clears throat> ever, ever caught on camera.
2: An unreal. Uh, to be in that room. Uh, also, the Marquee Club was known for being full of piss and beer, and it absolutely was. It was disgusting, <laughs> and to see Guns play that place right when they were coming up was amazing. Obviously, I was in the cult with Matt. I love Matt. Um, bona Fide, you know gunner right there and we were in camp freddy together for years and uh, obviously we all know slash and duff and we love them dearly and we performed with them so you know um yeah six it, degrees of guns m- and bacon or whatever you
1: call it it's fun yeah. to it won't fit maybe it maybe it'll fit on a bumper sticker but it's fun to see your version of of camp freddy again with this above ground is these uh all-star this all-star cast with a purpose, so it's it's very it's exciting. Uh, and
0: I mean, we've also both played with Duff and and Slash and Matt and even Stephen Adler and Izzy. We, we played with Izzy. We played with everybody <laughs> but Axel in the band. And uh, actually, Duff was in Jane's Addiction for a short amount of time. Yes, um, and he did some touring with us. And uh, you know, and also for for me personally, being from Los Angeles, Jane's Addiction and Guns and Roses were coming up at the same time, at the very same time. And uh, Jane's Addiction was more of an alternative uh, rock experimental art band. Guns N' Roses was much more of an in-your-face hard rock band. And so but we still had kind of a little bit of a rivalry because at a certain time, 1985, 1986, we were kind of like we knew each other. And there was kind of like this, like who's gonna win? Obviously, we know the answer to that. But, um,
1: you're, you're all but, winners. You're all winners. But,
0: but he, yeah, we're all winners in the end. But the funny thing was <sighs> that we would be on tour with Jane's Addiction, and you know, I'd be hearing, uh, you know, you know, you know, uh, you know, dissatisfaction with how how well done Guns N' Roses was doing coming up from the front of the bus. While I would secretly in the back of the bus with my headphones be listening to Appetite for Destruction, going fuck this is insane, You know what (laughs) I mean? So it was like it was undeniable how fucking great that was, and um, and then I also I worked with uh, Axel for the uh, what. The album that took three years. Yeah, no, yeah, but I don't know what the movie, no, it was a movie soundtrack.
1: Yes. So I wanted to ask you about that if I can. So, Oh My God, on the End of Days soundtrack.
0: End with, of Days, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, so
1: that's can it. you tell me, I love that song, by the way. Like that's, it's it's a one-off, it's one
0: of my favorite GNR songs ever. Really. Uh, it, I love it. I love it. Thank you. Um, You know, fucking Axel called me one day and said, I'm working on this record and uh, you know, it's for uh, End of Days soundtrack. Do you want to come and play guitar on it? And I was like, yeah, of course I do. So I was given a location and a time in a studio and I showed up with my gear and there was a, 10 people in the studio and I was like, where's Axel? And they're like, well, he's coming. He's coming. And uh, But let's get started anyway. I said, okay. And I sat down, I plugged in, they played the track. I said, this fucking sounds great, whatever. And I recorded a couple of passes. And then all of a sudden, I swear, shit you not, I swear, all of a sudden I hear in the background, yeah, that sounds really good. Why don't you keep that one? And what it was was Axel on speakerphone from his home, listening in the whole time. Like, and I was like, "What?" It's just Axel's voice out of nowhere, like out of the fucking speaker, and and uh, he kind of gave me some direction, and I was like, "Okay, cool." And then we were stoked, and and that was that. And it was just, uh, it was a, it was a, a very strange, but like. I love that it was strange. You yes. know what I mean? Yes, like, I do. You know what I mean? Like the, because it makes the story so much juicier and more fucking just memorable and fun and like uh, it, and, and you know, and Axel at one point when Izzy, Izzy left the band really wanted me to join the band, and um, we talked nearly every day about you know ideas and the way the band could work with me in it. Um, and getting back to the mental health stuff, like at that time in my life. I was just simply not, I was not present enough to do it. So okay. we had. An, I had an audition with the band that I actually didn't show up to because I was immersed in my drug addiction and I just simply couldn't show up in that shape. But, um, you know, it, it happened the way it happened. I went on to go and be in the Chili Peppers and, you know, and oddly enough, Flea ended up joining Jane's Addiction for a tour. And Duff ended up joining Jane's Addiction for a tour. So at this age now, it's all wonder on the bridge and we're all part of this collective musical family. And then we all played together a myriad of times, but um, the degrees of separation with that, with those guys and us are way less than six. (laughs) I would would call it one, one and a half,
1: one, (laughs) 1.5. Amazing. And it's, as I mentioned, oh my God, one of my favorite g songs that you're on. It's just amazing That's one of my favorite uh, Red Hot Chili Pepper albums that you're on. So whatever you touch, and that does not even mentioning Jane's Addiction and everything else you do. So, Thank you. Thank you know, you. and also, um, and you do anything with the, of course, now it's escaping me, the name of your tattoo show. Why is that escaping me all of a sudden? Oh, Ink Master. Ink Master. That, <laughs> Ink, Master is,
0: Ink Master, that wrapped up after 13 For, seasons. Yeah. After, towards the end of the pandemic and, my understanding is that they're rebooting it and they have a whole new cast. And, you know, uh, that was a chapter of my life that I'm really grateful for. But, you know, I'm into other things. I'm doing a new band with Taylor Hawkins and Chris Chaney called NHC. And uh, I've got dual diagnosis, which Billy mentioned, which is, which is aimed at mental health awareness. And it's, it's an apparel line and it's a street art and installation and fine art collective that me and my partner Padilla put together. And uh, between Jane's Addiction, Royal Machines, dual, dual Diagnosis, my plate is plenty full, hmm. you know. So uh, I wish Ink Master the best of success with their new cast, but I will not be participating. All
1: right. Then I won't be watching, so that's fine. Uh... There you go. <laughs> the uh, amazing. Billy, what do you have uh, coming up down the pike? Uh,
2: well, we're going uh, – I, I, I unfortunately have to put most of my other projects on on the back burner because – 2022 all of 2022 is full up now with Billy Idol and uh, some of it's been announced some of it hasn't but we've all had the emails and uh, I mean it's definitely going to be the year of Billy Idol and and for me I couldn't be happier because when I was 11 years old I used to, 12 years old 11 even I used to skip school and go and see Generation X in London mm. and so Now to have been with Billy for all of these years and written albums and now still be looking at a huge year. I mean, I couldn't be more grateful. I'm sure I'll fit some art shows in there, um, but it's the
0: year of Billy Idol in 2022 for sure. I'll tell you, he (laughs) will fit art shows in there. I've never seen anybody (laughs) with uh, a greater output of creativity and quality work. Than this gentleman right here, and he just had an art show a couple of nights ago that I went to. It was fucking mind blowing. So you know, Billy, I, I don't know how I don't know how he does it, but he gets everything done and he gets it done, fucking perfect. I sold my
2: soul years ago. <laughs> ah, souls are overrated. Um, Brando, I, I I've really enjoyed this, but we we have it's not as big as yours, but we do have another podcast to go and do. I, I'm sure. That, so uh,
1: I you gave me more than enough time. I appreciate both of you uh not just for coming on your time, all your music, but again do, uh, a, do you
0: have one more quick question I'm gonna squeeze that in because I'm gonna get to the next podcast and say it's not our fault. you booked these things this fucking close.
1: <laughs> oh I mean sure I, can, I I'll ask you a, a quick, yeah. I'll ask you a quick question sure this is from a listener then this is from Colleen. She wants to know how you feel about your book. Don't try this at home all these years later now that you're in a different place in
0: life you know. God, Don't Try This at Home was a year in the life of Dave Navarro as seen through the lens of Neil Strauss. And it was a very dark year and every no pull, no punches pulled. It was the height of my drug addiction, uh, which at the end of the book, I finally ended up getting myself clean and getting back on the path. And I'll tell you, putting that book out was scary at the time. It was terrifying because I was revealing every deep, dark secret that I had. But the reaction I got from that and the amount of people that have come to me and told me how much it has helped them uh, has, has more than dismissed any kind of fear I had around it. And I am just eternally grateful to Neil about for, for helping me put that together. And I'm grateful to the people who've read it because uh, you know it gave them a snapshot into the idea and the concept that you can be in the darkest place that you see no way out of and actually find a way
1: out. Well, this uh, conversation has helped me uh, at the very least. So thank it you, Dave. It's helped us too, man. I'll tell you that much. Thank you guys so much. I'll, I'll let you go. So that does it for this episode of Appetite for Distortion. When will you see the next one? Well, the words of Axel Rose concerning Chinese democracy. You'll see it, I don't know, as soon as the word. Yeah!